Hi folks and welcome to episode 6 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchot. This is the show for February 2014. Joining me today, I have a wonderful panel of smart people as always. We have two old friends and one new voice. So uh, first off, we have the wonderful Gazmaz from the MyMac podcast. Hi, Gaz. Good evening or good afternoon or good morning whenever you're listening. So uh, yes, hi, Guy. Uh, guy. You see, I, I straight into MyMac. <laughs> good evening, Bart. <laughs> I'm west of you, somewhat. <laughs> Not quite as far as Guy, I'll grant you. <laughs> Anyway, it's good to have you back, guys. Thank you very much. We also have Nick Riley joining us again. Hi, Nick. Uh, hello, Bart. Uh, it's good good to be back. And uh, I think you made a mistake there. You actually said there were smart people on the panel. I, I stand by my I mean, Scott, uh, Scott may be a part smart person. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I could say I am. And I'm sure I could speak for Gaz and say he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to love that British... Uh, I'm not quite sure what you call that, but that's very British of you. Well, I think we Irish got that too. If you want to make an Irish person embarrassed, say something nice. They just go bright red and they'll stop talking to you. Anyway, our, the, the, the new voice for listeners of this show is Scott Wilsey. Welcome aboard, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, you uh, you called them old friends and said I was new, but I'm old too, so they don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'll join in that. And hopefully you guys can hear me okay, because as soon as you started recording, Skype went really wonky for me, but uh, we'll hang in there. Hopefully yeah, you can. absolutely perfect on this end. Okay, that's all that matters. Okay, and uh, people might know you from the pocket-sized podcast. Yes, that's not about sewing. No, no, <laughs> I do a little podcast about iOS apps and iOS devices and things that fit. Try to keep it focused to that. So, very good. And you were saying that you had a personal website as well. I do. Yeah, saw sixty six dot com. It's not exciting. There's not a lot there, but it will give you contact information for me should you be foolish enough to desire that. And does it have a link to your beautiful Flickr stream? Sorry, say again? Does it have a link to your beautiful Flickr stream? Oh, you know what? I'll have to check. If not, I'll put one up there. <laughs> you should. Okay. Okay, apparently we're having some Skype difficulties. Uh... I have noticed that the lovely verifying backup. Yeah, so just to say, Bart, as soon as you started recording, you started. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I've just turned off Time Machine that had decided that now was the perfect moment to (laughs) do its thing. Is that Uh, any better? Has it fixed itself or is it still all gone awful? uh, Sounds better to me. Sounds better. Okay. Yeah, I won't bother editing. I don't do anything. Anyway, so before we get stuck into the news from February, just a quick callback to last month. We all, I think you were on last month, Gaz. I think you you were pretty skeptical that this mediation effort between Samsung and Apple would go anywhere. (laughs) So you get to take a bow there, 10 out of 10. (laughs) It failed. (laughs) Yes. Not a surprise, really, is it? No, no. it, it, It was, you know, if they had decided to mediate on their own terms, it would have been one thing. But the court basically went, now you guys have to go in a room and talk nice. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> it's it it's it's pretty much the same on a rugby pitch to be perfectly honest with you um you, you never say right you two shake hands you kind of have to uh, do it in a different way <laughs> yeah well otherwise i just squeeze each other's fingers to pieces or something you said shake hands you didn't say how hard yeah that's right um as i usually do at the start of these shows well, i say usually this is only show number six but i, I think i'm settling into a pattern um, I just picked out some interesting sort of numbers stories, and in some regards, these are a bit of a trend. So we have yet another set of reports saying that Apple and Samsung make 95.7% of the smartphones that are shipped, and doing so, managed to make 120% of the profit, which is only possible if you count loss as negative profit, which they do. Yeah, I guess this is really the same old, same old, isn't it? It, yeah, it's not a huge surprise. Yeah, I, I do love it when they come up with these figures, but yeah, yeah, that's that's. That, it's not a surprise, really, is it? Let's be honest. Um, I'm, there I'm was, surprised HTC have sort of. At the start, they looked like they were going somewhere. Yeah, that's true. HTC always seemed to be like the the the. Well, the, almost, almost the second name on people's lips when it came to Android after, you know, they kind of pick an Android um, make and then HTC always seemed to be in there with a, a bit of a shout. And, uh, yeah, the fact that they're only probably baked in with others is probably a bit of a disappointment for them as a company. But um, uh, that's that's the Samsung effect, I would say, probably. Oh, I suppose they could be in the Android figures, couldn't they? That's the thing there. Yeah, but because Samsung, if Samsung or Android too. Yeah, I'm just, but I'm just looking at that graph a little bit more closely now, and, and you know, it, it's just going for operating system rather than uh, for manufacturers, isn't it? So, right, and I mean that includes all the cheap phones that are selling by the millions. You know, uh, the phones that people give when you go into the store and say, "I need a phone," and they give you a cheap Android. Yeah, the countries that can't afford the expensive ones. It includes all that, and the thing about Samsung too is. I mean, yeah, I'm a little surprised with HTC as well, but Samsung has outspent everybody in marketing, including Apple, yes. which, you know, yes. the, the Android people like to say that, that Apple is uh, the fanboy and marketing company and nothing more, but that's, you know, that's Samsung right now, to be honest. Only they're not good at it. Right. Whereas Apple well, are good at it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But that, that is a high figure, 95.7% Apple and Samsung, I must admit. And if there's 20% law, like, if they get to 120, that means everyone else is losing hand over fist. Like oh, money. absolutely, yeah. Which is not good. I mean, the HTC One, I would have thought, would have made some sort of dent, but mm. what do I know? Well, apparently they, they made, I mean, I've been watching it because I've got an HTC One. Ah. <laughs> um, and I like the HTC One. I think it's a lovely phone. Um, but I think they did make loss, quite a big loss. Um even though the HTC One buoyed it up, it didn't stop them making a big loss that year. Yeah, it, one phone can only do so much, I guess. Yeah. Then there was another interesting report which got some poor blogger, uh, Benedict Evans, quite a lot of hate mail. Uh, because he basically went, well, if I take the numbers and I say that every, everything running iOS counts as a computer and everything running Windows or Windows Phone counts as a computer, then Apple sell as many computers as there are Windows computers. And this made people very cranky. It's just facts, <laughs> but people went berserk. <laughs> it's funny what floats people's um, uh, uh, goat, isn't it, really? Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, and I actually think it's fair to call all of these computers in our pockets computers. 
I think it's fair <laughs> given the trends and and the way things are shifting towards mobile. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, you know, on the surface of it, when I first started hearing this kind of stuff, I don't know, a year or two ago, a couple of years ago, it it was kind of like, hmm, okay, I never thought of it that way, but it seems fair now because it just seems like it's obvious that this is the way people are going and you can't keep looking at the declining PC sales numbers without eventually thinking, yeah, this is a trend. This is real. Yeah, and it's not that people have stopped using computers. They're just using different computers. Well, right. yeah, yeah. I think they're using computers a lot less. Or d- let's put it this way. They're using laptops and desktops. Right, but I don't less. think they're using computers any less. In fact, I think they're using computers more. Uh, we, I was in a fairly sizable meeting in work, and we had a vendor in visiting, and they remarked on the fact that the whole room was full of iPads because in our office, and I hadn't noticed it until an outsider reminded me of it, but basically in our office people don't bring laptops around anymore. We have desktops and we stick an iPad under our arm. Yeah. So there, I, mean, me. I don't think I'm at a meeting without a computer. I'm just at a meeting without a ye olde computer. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I mean, I don't know if people remember this far back, uh, but when the laptop first came out, they weren't counted in PC cells because they weren't real computers. Is is that right? Yeah, there was a it was a, there was a while when it was controversial to lump the laptop in with computers because they they weren't real computers; they were toys. Is this back in the days of luggables? Well, kind of, yeah. But <laughs> we're going a long way back. But the point is, we've sort of we've been around this cor- this course before. You know, something new. Oh, that's not a real computer. Oh, I guess it is. So anyway, I, I the fact is, if you if you ask the average person, um, what do they use their computer for? They'll say, email and browsing the web and um, maybe writing the odd letter. Or and, and if you ask them what they do on their on their, on their tablets, they'll say, browsing the web and sending emails and maybe writing the odd letter <laughs> and throwing some birds at things. Oh yeah. But they'll do that on the computers as well. That's true. Okay, and then one final number which leads straight into the next section, which is that Apple basically are saying that we are the number one target of patent trolls. We have been hit by 92 suits in three years. Which is a lot. Gee, I wonder why. You know, uh, somebody is now suing Apple for Touch ID. I just saw this today. And I just found it interesting because, of course... Touch ID was an acquired technology, so why didn't they sue these other guys first? I think yeah, we all know they why. Had no money. <laughs> yeah, they weren't selling anything. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of people who. What is it? Non. What, what's the fancy term that the, the politically correct term? Is it non-producing entities or something? Mm-hmm. People want to. And I'm not. Them. I'm not sure if this latest one is. They they may not be a troll, but regardless. They did not go after these other people when, you know, all these years when they were developing this technology and using it, they waited until Apple started selling it. Maybe they, I don't know, the legal system, maybe you could argue they have a better case if somebody else is actually selling it, but I don't think so. I think it's a patent is a patent. So it just seems to me like it's opportunistic, even if this company that's suing them now is somebody that's producing something. If they are producing something, the question has to be what? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're doing the ones for the for the Galaxy S5 we'll get to later. <laughs> um, so that sort of squeaks us into the legal latest, which is always a bit of a quagmire, but this month it's not as bad as other months. So the first thing that sort of caught my eye is things must be bad when these three companies band together. Apple, Google, 
Samsung. No, not natural bedfellows, but the three of those have gotten together to pressure the EU for patent reform. The the EU? Yes, well, yeah. You okay. know, the, the Europe is big, right? Yeah, well, yes, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just wondering whether looking a clo- little closer to home might help first. But that, <laughs> well, I, I think there is... A, there is actually, do you think there there's... Is an... mo- there is movement in Europe in this topic. Okay, do you, do you think this is an ulterior motive then to because then they'll be able to put pressure at home if this actually gets um, because there's more likelihood of uh, of something happening in Europe so they could then uh, say see look look what they're doing over there those clever people it's probably easier to get stuff through Europe than it is through the American Congress no no offense Scott I am not offended okay. <laughs> Yeah, no. I, 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 what really caught my eye here was that these three people who are busy using the patent system to beat each other over the head with um, yeah, are having to get together, together yeah. because patent trolls are beating them even harder over the head or something. That's good, yeah. isn't it? I mean, and the, I mean, there's quite a lot of power there and quite a lot of money. <laughs> I, I would hope they have influence. Uh, we, we shall see, I guess. I mean, the, the statement says the companies are asking the EU to create guidance for the member states' courts. So perhaps they feel there's a little inconsistency in the courts in the in the EU. I mean, it's fairly consistent in the US. You go to that little place in Texas and you'll get... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one court, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fairly consistent, I suppose, over there. Marshall, isn't it, in the US, East Texas? I must admit, but there have been times when something has happened in one country in the EU and then it doesn't seem to have been followed through in another country. So perhaps what's, you know, that's where they're coming from, to, you know, to be devil's advocate, especially with that little picture that's on the, uh, yeah, on the article. Yeah. yeah. Controls yeah. cute monsters inks yeah. uh, I mean, what I think Europe needs to, uh, to get tougher on, although they've been quite tough on it already, is this whole standards essentials patent stuff. And that's yeah. not really in Samsung's interest. No, definitely isn't. So obviously that's not what they were complaining about. <laughs> anyway, let, let us move on to probably the most hot case at the moment. Um, the lovely ebook case. Uh, when last we left our friends, Apple was cranky. And that's sort of where we take it. And well, story. they should be. I, I agree. I agree entirely. Um, since Apple have technically lost the court case at the moment... There is an appeal, but at the moment they are technically guilty. So the states that banded together to sue Apple are saying that because the judge said that Apple willfully infringed or willfully did whatever it is they're supposed to have done, they are now asking for triple damages. So they're looking for $840 million, Blicks. But uh, I guess the real action is back in uh, Judge Coates' court, or Judge Cote. Legal report calls her Cote. Does anyone know what her actual name is? Um, no. Well, it, it hasn't got a... Oh, what's the little... It hasn't thing? got a little squiggly thing on top, no, so I'm thinking no. coat, because if it was Cote, yeah, it's so a with an upstroke. Yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't go around saying cafe all the time, do I? Or perhaps You're I should. Calf. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is... Oh, 
I do feel sorry for Apple at times when they see this. They must get, although their their lawyers probably go, well, you know, keeps us in a job. I imagine they're all on retainer anyway, so it's, it's probably, you know, I don't think it's keeping them in work as such. Although I guess if you didn't have any court cases, you'd take them off retainer. Uh, I suppose the first development is that, you know, when we last left the story, Apple had asked the appeals court to get rid of Michael Bromwich, the court-appointed yep. monitor. And the appeals court decided that they couldn't really do, they couldn't really remove him at this state of proceedings. But what they could do is lay down some rules for what he's there for, and then he's not to be doing whatever he's not there for. So that means he's not randomly wandering around the Apple boardroom anymore, insisting he gets everything he wants. But he is still there. So fifty-fifty win for Apple. Hard to tell, in my opinion. Mm. What do you guys think? I mean, even if they can keep the guy focused on the book thing, which is bad enough, I think this guy's kind of a joke. But if he really was sticking his nose into other things, I mean, it just sounds like this guy is an amateur. He's not really supposed to be doing this by profession or whatever he's good at. And uh, somehow he got appointed. I wonder why, because I think he's a friend of the judge. But it just seems <laughs> in like... Your, it just in your seems humble like, opinion, of course. I, I, no, no, no. I reported in the press, I think we can say. <laughs> That's right. Has has been reported in the press, and I'm going with it because the guy's just a goofball. So I, 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 I wouldn't. <laughs> goofball implies a, a lack of. I don't know. Goofball implies stupidity to me. I'm I'm not sure I get that vibe. Well, Dog incompetence bone, in a way. Maybe. Yeah, grind yeah. The vibe I get. I I don't know. If if he was competent at what he was doing, he would stick to his his. His, uh, well, I think his argument was that Deutsche Bank went in there. It's, uh, the, I don't, I'm not sure he was given particularly tight guidelines. Right, but it has to be related to this case, right? Like he can't go in there and start monitoring Apple for everything they do. He can't start watching how they, you know, empty the trash and what their procedures for manufacturing are. I mean, he has. What if they entered a cartel with the trash collectors? <laughs> they probably have. That is what fiction. he tried to do, wasn't it? Well, to start with. Well, I, I'm not sure he wanted. Johnny Ive, and he wanted time with um, oh, what's his face, global warming guy, Al Gore. He wanted meetings with all of these big people who have nothing to do with the day-to-day right. running of, of Apple's eBooks. Who's in right. charge? Of, who's in charge of cra- uh, trash collection there now? That probably is Al Gore, actually. I think. <laughs> so he, yeah, so he's been sort of brought to heel, uh, which is nice. Then Apple filed a pretty strongly worded motion with the Court of Appeal, basically laying out their case for the appeal, and their request is just overthrow the whole thing, or at the very least give us a new judge, because this one's useless, is sort of the subtext there. Um, I have a quote from the Mac Observer that sort of sums it up, I think. Apple's told an appeals court that its 2013 antitrust conviction was a radical departure from modern antitrust law and that if if that conviction is allowed to stand, it will chill competition and harm consumers. To which I go, here, here, because I'm pretty sure the monopolist here wasn't Apple. Yes, totally agree. Totally agree on that. And going back to the very first item that you mentioned, which was the uh, the states um, banding together to get the uh, damages out of Apple as soon as possible, I think they're trying to get in there quickly for Judge Coat to make a judgment before all of the before the appeal gets gets in place and gets into process. Because I think you know if it does go to appeal and it goes through again, then they've got absolutely no chance. So they're just trying to get as much money or get the money as as quickly as they possibly can. But that isn't going to happen. It's going to be – it just – it feels so 
dirty this particular case it really does feel dirty from and and from the uh, you know from the national side not from you know the the company side it feel it does it just feels wrong and it doesn't feel right and if it was going on in europe i think that there would be an uh, you see, it sort of it, it, it kind of was going on in Europe. The, the same case came, you know, Europe, the European Commission investigated the same reality. And their conclusion was the most favoured nation has to go. Other than that, off you go. That was it. That, 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 was, that was the outcome in Europe of exactly the same complaint. Which which kind of says that you know th- th- that's precisely why it doesn't feel right in the states. It just feels it, it, it just feels wrong. Yeah. The whole thing feels wrong. Uh, to, uh, the question I always find myself asking is why aren't the DOJ protecting the monopolist? Mm. I mean, Amazon uh, were the ones with the massive market share. Yeah, I think our DOJ does a lot of weird things these days. Not just related to this case, but I don't. I don't know that I trust their judgment a whole lot anymore. I just sent you a link to uh, an interesting article from, I believe, April of last year. Sorry, August. The curious and it's of a write up. Yes. Yeah, it's a, a write up in CNN Money or Fortune.CNN.com. Yeah, who, who's doing a sterling yep. job actually on this case from from really from day one. He's been on top of this. Yeah, it's pretty interesting as far as and I, I had found another article similar about the monitor anyway. So those are a couple of the articles that may have shaped my opinion for better or worse. I don't know, but yeah, did you know, actually this? I remember this article from the summer because it's where I learned that there's like an anonymous website where lawyers get to bitch about judges, which I didn't know existed before. It's called the Robing Room, <laughs> and the, the, the judge coat has not come out of that squeaky clean um, what was it some of, these, some of these bullet points make for a fascinating reading Judge Cote predetermines outcomes of the case and consistently rules according, accordingly even in contradiction to her own orders her rulings are generally sly and calculated to ignore the pertinent issues raised which, is, which always allows the prosecution team to prevail so these are the opinions of lawyers not of me yeah 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 and, and bear in mind, disgruntled people everywhere who post on the internet are disgruntled people, people everywhere yeah. who post on the internet. But Who are so, so. brave they post anonymously. Right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean they're wrong, but it certainly doesn't mean they're right. Anyway, so that's, that's sort of where we stand with that. Um, as well as the fairly fiery opening, Apple also stated that uh, the judge was wrong both on the facts of law and on the plain old facts of the case, and they <laughs> raised some timeline issues that don't seem to add up in Apple's opinion. And I didn't sift through all the evidence, so I can't comment, but if you know, Apple seemed to be pointing to the fact that they would need to have gone back in time or something, which I doubt they did. Unless that's something the iWatch does. I was going to say, if they did, I want that product soon. I really do. Yeah, you can have it any time. They can bring it to you. <laughs> I like that any time. <laughs> Yes, you see, we would have had it already. Come on, think about it. <laughs> True. How, how um, we, yeah, how do we know time travel will be invented in the future? Because we'll have met them. Anyway. Um, yeah, so this one's going to run on for a little bit longer. It seems to have been going on for a long time, but I've got a feeling this one will run on for a little while longer. And I, you know, I know we're, I know we're Apple fans, but I, I really do feel that this is wrong and that it needs sorting because in my mind, you're dead right, but... Uh, the monopoly is not Apple in this process. Yeah. You know, the Antitrust Act is to stop large companies abusing 
their powerful position to squash competition. And Apple were the plucky upstart trying to add some competition to a market sorely lacking in it. And somehow the antitrust hammer has fallen on the plucky upstart instead of on the person with the massive established market. Yeah, It's weird. It makes my head hurt. And in every other internet versus media, it's always, you know, media, sorry, internet is, is depriving media of their profits, right? And in this case, what did the, what did the judge do? She sided with the internet. Did we lose Scott? Who, you know, Amazon is clearly not paying authors what they want. I mean, they've been more of what they want. And uh, I, I don't, I don't see why they're mad. Scott, you're literally cutting in and out for a few words. I guess their their argument is they're harming the customer, but they're certainly doing more favorably for the. Okay. Oh, uh, hold on here. That's My weird. computer was preparing backup. Yeah. Ah, oh, your turn. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry, yep. Scott. Do you, do you want to just but, yeah. go over that again? Yeah, I mean, it just it's it just seems counter intuitive based on the fact that you have all these, you know, you have like uh, legal judgments against different companies who are supposedly lowering prices for the media producers. In this one, they side with the company that is stealing jobs and all that. And in I'm sorry to say you're still cutting in. And that was Amazon. Amazon was the one not paying what they were worth. Yeah, I, I think... So. I'm going to paraphrase. I, I think you were getting at the whole they were selling yeah, below cost Yeah, my computer's problem. still trying to stop. Yeah, I mean, you know, Amazon were selling below cost, which is a big no-no. In, certainly in Europe, that's seen as a big right. no-no. Right, exactly. Okay, anyway, I'm going to quickly run us through some other cases. Um, the US DOJ gave Samsung a slap on the wrist for abusing standard essential patents. I would have liked to see them do something stronger than a slap on the wrist, but I think all of this helps Apple and others in their cases against Samsung. Because if you have the DOJ saying you're abusing standards of central patents, that's kind of a good thing. Um, and then two lawsuits were thrown out. The there is there was a Siri class action suit where people were whining that Siri wasn't good enough, and the judge threw that one out. And then there was a German court where IPCOM were trying to sue Apple for 1.6 billion euro, and that was dismissed as well. Although that's subject to appeal, so that one may not be quite gone. Yeah, that's uh, that was a biggie, wasn't it? Really, that was up to two point two billion dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of money, and that that's... that was over whether or not basically the, the iPhone was allowed to dial emergency numbers effectively, wasn't it? Wasn't that the patent in question? Something to do with emergency calls and GSM networks? Yes, I think it was. Yes, yes. And, and that, there are other uh, companies who benefit, from, well, who will probably be able to use this as, as a precedent, assuming it stands. Absolutely. Well, you know, yeah. A company can't dial, automatically dial uh, emergency numbers. <laughs> yeah. Think of the consumer. Thanks very much. Yeah. Let's not worry about them, you know, having to dial through some stupid number because some pattern was put in place because... It, I, uh, I this isn't wonder. just standards essential. This is life essential. <laughs> yes, right. I, I don't. I don't believe it's a big differentiator. You know, oh, by infringing this patent, Apple is unfairly competing with this company that sells nothing. Okay. Yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah, not really. Just, but it's you know, go for the money, big time, and you know, see what you can get. 
they were probably putting in for that and hoping that it would be just, you know, signed off at some, you know, much smaller amount. But, um, uh, you know, it, how much it costs these companies is uh, – or how much it costs um, the countries to have um, lawyers and judges employed to go through this is something I'd be very interested in seeing. Well, if if you think if you think about the Apple cases like the Samsung one, that's pretty much had Judge Lucy Coe tied up for two years now. She should be doing useful stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> judge Coe has been a little busier than I'd like her to be in Apple no matters. <laughs> I, I would have liked a different judge to have been wasting their time, uh, or no judge to be wasting their time. Now that I think about it, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. And the lawyers yeah. aren't paid out of public pocket, so arguably that's not a taxpayer thing. But we, the taxpayer, in our various countries, are paying for the various judges. Well, and it's not just that, um, Bart. It's the fact that they are spending their time on these cases Mm. rather than in arguably much more important cases. Arguably. Well, I'm living in a country that the entire economy collapsed in a gigantic mega hole, and so far I'm still waiting for someone to go to jail for that. (laughs) Yeah, that ain't going to happen, I'm afraid. I I, I don't believe it will, but... Maybe you know. Maybe that's what our legal systems might. Maybe should mm. be doing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so moving into our main stories, and the first one I think we absolutely need to talk to is go to fail semicolon. <laughs> which go to fail? I mean that that is actually a genuine line of C code, which has got to be the most ironic line of C code written in the entire history of C programming. Go to fail. Oh, my God, did it fail? Um, I suppose. Uh, well, I guess I better give a summary in case someone hasn't heard about it. But basically, there was a bug in the secure socket layer or SSL layer in all the Apple products that used Apple standards SSL libraries. And due to the fact that that particular line of code was accidentally put in twice in an insecure way, it effectively short-circuited the validation of the certificates, resulting in invalid certificates showing up as valid, and it's been around since iOS 6. Wow. Yeah. That's so iOS time. 6, iOS 7, and OS 10, 10.9, as well as Apple TV are affected, or were <laughs> affected. They've all been patched. When that little thingy comes up saying, would you like to apply this update? It secures SSL. Yeah, the answer is yes. Yes, you would. Now, please. Do you not find it interesting that, yeah, okay, big, massive slap on the wrist for Apple, not only for putting the code in, secondly, for missing, missing it in testing, in whether they're testing the code or whether they're testing the process afterwards. But just thinking about that, I'm amazed that nobody has spotted it. Because normally you've got people out there always, you know, going through this sort of process and saying, hang on a minute, that's gone to an insecure site that I, you know, it's not checked the certificate. And that somebody else hasn't picked it up sooner. Well, I'd, someone did pick it up no, sooner. I, well, I think they did. And I think because I've got a feeling that Apple were informed. I'm not sure that they picked it up themselves. I think they were informed about it. But I'm just amazed that it's been in since iOS 6 and it hasn't pe- been picked up. As a software, as someone who does a bit of programming, and I even taught programming at one stage at university level, it, it strikes me that, okay, so the, the bug is in there because when you're programming in C indentation has no meaning it's purely there as a crutch to the programmer yeah yeah. and visual aid it's a visual aid but the problem is in this case it's a visual aid that misled because basically with if statements 
if they're only one line long, you don't have to bother wrapping them in those little pretty brackets. You can just put in the one line. But if you accidentally duplicate that one line and still indent it, it will look visually to everyone scanning that code like it's inside the if statement, but it's actually outside the if statement. So it's not being, it's not a conditional statement. It's an this will always happen statement. Yeah. And the first thing that strikes me is Apple should have been coding defensively. And I mean, it's, it's simple best practice stuff. Always put the braces around your if statements, even if they only contain one line, because that way, when you go to add an extra line, it's actually in the bloody if statement. So you don't have this clash where the indentation mentally makes your brain say, ah, yeah, that's grand. Only in actuality, no, it's not grand. That, that line is actually just short-circuiting all the other checks. So, so it's just it's a bad practice. But you're supposed to do code review. You're definitely supposed to do code review on a security library. And not only are you supposed to do code review, but you're supposed to have automated unit tests. So in a normal software environment, if you're writing software professionally, you would be running your code through an automated suite of tests every night. And you come in in the morning and it would tell you the results. And surely to goodness, in an SSL library, one of those tests is, does this accept a valid certificate? And the other equally important test is, does this reject an invalid certificate? Because... Both of those are equally as important as each other. And they obviously... It looks like very bad practice. Or if you look at the dates and you enjoy wearing tinfoil on your head, (laughs) there is an alternative interpretation, which is that, strangely enough, this bug came in just before Apple was added to Prism. So the innocent interpretation of that is that the CIA were doing code review and Apple weren't. The less innocent is that Apple were asked to make a plausibly deniable change. Yeah, and Marco Arment went down that second road. I I went down the first road. I I'm positive the NSA tests for this stuff. I'm I have no doubt of it. They've been they've been trying to circumvent encryption on all platforms of every kind for years, and they get paid to do it. And they sit around all day, and they've got a budget of billions of dollars. This I'm, this is what they do for a living. Exactly. They have they have trained computer scientists attacking to try break into this stuff they must have jumped for joy when oh, they yeah. found this spectacular bug and they kept shtum about it they just kept it to themselves like ha 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 ha, ha. we well, ha, we know this and no one else does tee hee hee regardless of the kite go ahead oh, sorry carry on i was just gonna say regardless of how you feel about the spying which i don't it's i don't care what country you yeah. live in having your having your government spy on you is bad in my opinion but not not even going there the fact that they're finding these things and not reporting them to the company affected is just insane. To me, that should be criminal. But, I mean, Well, you see, you have the thing, right? Commerce, our entire economy depends on SSL. It is not possible to, to do online commerce without the secure socket layer. So a, com- a country like America that is, you know, if you think, give me an example of a capitalist country. I am 99.9% sure that everyone is going to say America. The American economy is utterly dependent on SSL. And for the American government not to act responsibly when they discover a catastrophic failure in SSL strikes me as not thinking big picture. No. And something which isn't in these show notes because this is an Apple show. But uh, it's not just the Americans who do these kind of bizarre and stupid things. Uh, GCHQ in the UK decided it was perfectly okay to save snapshots of every Yahoo user's webcam. Yep. And apparently there were some beautifully naughty photos taken. You know, innocent civilians, no suspicion, just let's harvest it all. 
Then we can look at it later if we decide we have a reason to. I mean, that ah, it's creepy. Yeah, that's a nice word for it. This particular thing actually takes me back many, many years um, to when I first started using spreadsheets back in um, it's super calc days. Ooh. And uh, some clever bod up at our head office at the time, because, uh, you know, it was going back to the days when um, most of this sort of any kind of sort of software that was written was written by some clever guy at regional office or head mm. office or something. Um, and he'd sent us this clever thing that did um, regression calculations and um, we were supposed to use it, except that it didn't work properly, um, which was a bit of a problem. Uh, But what I found quite amusing was he'd tied down SuperCalc so that he couldn't get into it. Uh, And I tried several things. I tried escape and control break and nothing I was trying would work. And, And I was looking at the screen and he'd put a menu with eight items on it. And I suddenly thought... I wonder. So I tried nine. (laughs) Uh, And that got me into it. (laughs) Uh, Security by obscurity works as well as ever. Um, Before we finish up on this, go to Phil, the important thing I want to double underline, the patches are out, apply them. If you've been... The impact of this, by the way, is that if you... If you were in a position where a bad guy could get between you and the internet... That bad guy could, in theory, decrypt your SSL if you were using Safari, Mail.app, iCloud, or the App Store, or iTunes Store. So if you spent a lot of time on open Wi-Fi without a VPN connection, maybe it's time to update your Apple ID password, because it kind of controls a lot. Maybe your email password while you're at it. Because it's improbable, but not even mildly infeasible that they have been yoinked. And if they haven't been oinked already, will they be in some server cache somewhere? Is that a possibility? Very unlikely, uh, because no one's cache. You you can't really conveniently cache everything. Even the NSA, with their teraflops of everything, can't cache everything. They have to analyze and suck out stuff. But it is entirely conceivable they're over in Redmond. Not Redmond, where's that place the NSA hang out? When Virginia somewhere, Virginia Langley, Langley. Utah, yeah. They're probably in a server farm in Langley somewhere, uh, or th- conceivably in a server farm in Langley somewhere. Actually, no, I'll, I'll change that one to probably because we know that they were listening in on the on the fiber connections internally within between companies' data centers, so they would have been flying yeah. around. In For some reason, when you said that, I just got uh, an image of the guy going through the door in um, Mission Impossible with the eye retina scan, and this poor, lonely guy having to go through all the records to try and find something. <laughs> well, unfortunately, computers are good at searching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're really good at menial tasks. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on from depressing stuff to a fresh new start at Microsoft. Uh Oh, I just realized I forgot to check how one pronounces this individual's name. I'm going to go with Satya Nadella, and I hope to goodness I'm right. And I, I think that's quite close. I think that's quite close. Uh, anyone else want to hazard a go? It sounds perfect. Yeah, I think that sounds... I thought, I thought that was quite good. This is the downside, actually, to getting all of your news in a written form. I, I think... Off-topic, apologies, but... I think it took me about five years to realize that I couldn't actually say any astronomy terms because I, I'm entirely self-taught as an astronomer. And it was a long time until I finally realized how you pronounce the constellation Cetus. Because I never heard anyone say it. 
thought it was Santos. <laughs> anyway, uh, same problem here. So I've had a month to read up on this guy, pretty much, and only now have I realised that I haven't heard anyone say his name out loud yet. Um, so he's he's not outside. He, he's not an outsider they brought in. He's an insider they promoted. But he was inside overseeing their basically their server side. So stuff like Azure or Azure. And uh, even Microsoft, I don't know how to pronounce that platform. Uh, a colleague of mine was at a Microsoft presentation about two weeks ago. And he, he heard three different pronunciations from three different Microsoft engineers of the same platform. <laughs> so if Microsoft can't say it, I'm going to just use whatever pronunciation I like. So I'm calling it Azure. Um, anyway, he's from that sort of that end of the woods, and I guess from your SkyDrive and all those kind of things. Actually, that's Google. Sorry, what's Microsoft's one called? Cloud Drive. Oh, my wife was looking at it the other day because she um, she's got an account now through school. Ah, oh, what's it? I can't remember what it's called now. SkyDrive is, is SkyDrive Microsoft or Google? Is it? It's no, it is SkyDrive. Cause I think it's SkyDrive, Google. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Microsoft is SkyDrive. Uh, so he's sort of from that. <coughs> haven't they the called woods. it? Haven't hmm? they called it OneDrive now? They oh, they've changed the name, haven't they? You're yeah, right. I think they've called it OneDrive now. Because that's just so much better. But no, it's, <laughs> no, but seriously though, I mean, probably the most forward-thinking part of Microsoft is Azure. Uh, as I say, I I work in a place that's very Linux-centric, and you know we come from, come from a long line of Linux admins, and we we have many hundreds of Linux servers. And uh, it was bizarre, you know. My my colleague was saying the weirdest thing he's ever seen is to see a bunch of Microsoft engineers standing in front of a slide with a giant penguin on it. Because Microsoft don't really care what you do on Azure as long as you're on Azure and you're paying them money. And, you know, they sort of made a point of saying, we don't care about your data. We sell you a service. If you want to encrypt your drive, we will positively encourage it. But just bear in mind that we can't help you if you break it. If you want to run Linux, go ahead. We won't support you, but go ahead. And it's just so interesting that that's the side of Microsoft that's now been promoted to CEO. And that made me, gave me some hope. How are other people's reactions to this chap? Well, I'm, I'm hearing an awful lot about the fact that Bill Gates is, is going to kind of be his, uh, this is going to sound odd, his right-hand man. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, mentoring going on here. Um, uh, and I just wonder whether he's going to be allowed to be his own man. And I think that's what a lot of people are waiting to see. That's a lot of the uh, commentary that I've heard. Let's find out whether he can actually, you know, take the yeah. leadership role and actually run with decisions that he wants to make rather than decisions which he's being, um, you know, pushed down the corridor towards. Yeah, so I guess the other big news is that Bill Gates is coming back. Was it one-third time to Microsoft? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you know he's never formally been completely gone from Microsoft, but this is no. probably the first time it's been sort of set in stone. You're here this long. We, uh, a third of Bill Gates's time is not insignificant. Yeah, he was he was actually still chairman, wasn't he? So he was chairman of the board, which is now no longer chairman of the board. Correct, and he's 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 now um, the board's founder and technology advisor, apparently. So, uh, but I, I've I've heard that he's going to do, certainly be. Uh, um, it, it, I don't want to say in cahoots with <laughs> Satya, but I've got a feeling that um, you know, Mr. Nadella will will find him uh, in an office very close by. I have a feeling when he's in, of course. A third of the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's interesting, and, and I, no, it could be fine. I mean, the guy's never been a CEO before. He's got a learning experience ahead of him. Uh, Microsoft clearly has some changes to make. 
Yep. So having Bill Gates around isn't necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, like Gaz said, who knows what that's going to look like until we have a little bit of time. Well, notice that it's not Steve Ballmer. Oh, He's, he's not absolutely. getting mentored by the outgoing CEO. He's, it's not like a handover. He's getting mentored by the previous CEO who built up the company and made it a success. Rather than by the last Yeah. Um, he did also do a sort of his first significant interview this month since becoming CEO, uh, which was with the New York Times. And um, I, I sort of, I, I, I snipped out two short passages from that interview, which are direct quotes uh, from Satya himself. Culturally, I think we have operated as if we had the formula figured out and it was about optimizing in the various constituent parts of the formula. Now it's about discovering the new formula. Now, that doesn't say I think Steve Bomber was an idiot. <laughs> no. But I can read it that way with great ease. Well, it, well, there's another quote, because apparently he was asked a question. Um, and one of the questions was, what leadership lessons have you learned from your predecessor, Steve Bomber? And he goes on to say, the most important, the, the, the most important one, right? Remember, this is the most important one, he says, uh, that I learned from Steve happened two or three annual reviews ago. So it was most important, but he can't remember whether it was two or three annual reviews ago. Okay, I'll give him that one. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that one. Let's continue. I sat down with him and I remember him asking, what do you think? Question mark. How am I doing? Then he said, look, you will know it. I will know it. And it will be in the air. So you don't have to ask me, how am I doing? <laughs> At your level, it's going to be fairly implicit. I mean, I, I, that quote says nothing to me. I, I'm well, not it really... also says that Steve Ballmer is quite tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> because it was in the I air, it... mate. <laughs> I think it says he was on drugs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite bizarre. And you're right, Gaz. It really doesn't say anything. Whereas when he was asked about Bill Gates, he had much more actual stuff to say. Yeah. And they did actually ask him the question we asked about, well, if Bill Gates was coming back, who's actually running the show? And he he certainly gave the impression of a man who was taking control and that, you know, he had asked, he he didn't quite say he had asked, but the impression was that, you know, he was, it was a sort of a thing that he wanted rather than it was imposed on him. So no, that's good. That's good. he didn't actually say, well, I asked him. But I don't know, I got a good impression from it. And then something else that sort of caught my eye, nearly at the very end of the interview, when he was sort of asked about things that he doesn't agree with, and he sort of said, well, one of the things that drives me crazy is anyone who comes in from the outside and says, this is how we used to do it. Or if somebody who's been here for a while says, this is how we do it. Both of them are such dangerous traps. And, you know... Given Bomber's Windows, 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 Windows fetish, those two things make me optimistic. Yeah. So we shall, again, ultimately time will tell. Oops, apologies to listeners if you can hear my iPhone's lovely ringtone. Yes, I think, you know, from the perspective of going forward, Microsoft have really got to fix their tablet scenario. They've got to fix the... Um, the current OS scenario, and they've got to get into the mobile, uh, the mobile phone game, uh, much bigger than they have at the moment. And um, you know, give it two or three years, and um, I don't think he'll he'll if he fixes the current OS uh, on the desktop and laptop um, 
outside, then fine. But I don't think that's that's probably not top of the list to actually get right. Yes, it'll be a high priority, but actually they can they can they can just get on with doing that and getting that fixed. Um, I think the tablet side and the the phone side is something he's going to have a lot of concentration on, and stuff in the air is certainly going to help him. But I've got to say. The little bit that I've seen on the 365 um, uh, office suite that he's got, it's definitely not intuitive. Um, I, my wife the other night has suddenly just come on to it. She was given access. She's sat there and she said, can you just come and, can you come and help me out of just send an email? And that hurt and <laughs> that's going to hurt. So, you know, if, but if they can get those things right and I hope that they can, because, you know, I think, I think we still need Microsoft in the marketplace. Well, the market would be better with another strong player, right? Yeah. I, I also think that, I mean, if, if it really is going to be the new formula, perhaps it'll be something that we've not even thought about before. That would be nice. It would be good, wouldn't it? Because I think part of the problem is that they've spent all, all their, almost all their history trying to support legacy stuff. That, um, and let's face it, the last several things that they've released have all been trying to improve something that they already had. So perhaps he's going to take them in a completely new direction. I would love if you went and dusted off the courier. That is, that, that is yeah, a difficult. That's a difficult lane to take, though, isn't it? It really is a difficult lane to take. Be- well, because that's two fingers absolutely. to Steve Ballmer. You know, in your face. <laughs> It'll be, be a bit like Tim Cook saying, I'm going to resurrect the Newton. Do you know, do you know I've got a feeling that you know, Mr. Barmer would not care because the shares and options that he's probably got, if the Microsoft went through the roof, he, he really wouldn't have a problem with that. But I, as a company and from making money and from a shareholder's perspective, suddenly taking a change and, and then taking a dive before you then build back up is always a difficult path to take. I'm not suggesting that he'd just throw away what they've already got. I'm just suggesting that perhaps they'll start putting more emphasis on new things than they have done in the past. I, I think the only realistic way forward is, is sort of to do it in parallel. You've you got to keep the existing Windows train running forward. You know, yeah, so 8.2, yeah. 8.3, whatever. Just keep it running forward. And just in parallel, start something new. Like OS ten and the classic Mac OS ran in parallel for a while until eventually one of those trains was taken off the tracks and the other one continued on. Hmm. Because it's going to take years to actually reinvent a Microsoft OS. Or ideally, please goodness, two Microsoft OSs. Not three, two. A touchy one and a clicky one. But we shall see. Anyway, I want to move us on to um, some announcements from Samsung. Do you know, they released a phone and guess what was in the home button? Hmm. Yes, indeed, a fingerprint scanner. <laughs> Although... By all reports, not quite the same as Apple's. Because this isn't one of those scanners you just got to touch. This is one of those scanners you got to actually swipe. And uh, try try this at home. Pick up your phone and try to swipe in a straight line one of your fingers across the home button while holding the phone one-handed. I can't yeah. do it. Can, can any of you? Well, remembering the size of some of Samsung's phone, I'd be difficult to hold it in one hand and do it. 
That is a well, fair here's, point. Here's one place where Apple's implementation wins for me is I don't have Siri enabled on my lock screen. I disabled mm-hmm. that. So you have to unlock it to use Siri. And if I'm driving the way the the one works on the 5S, I can just reach over, put my thumb on there, not even having to look at the phone, and I can see out of the corner of my eye when that lock screen goes away, and then I can push the button, or I can just hold it and push the button down, and I know it, it's going to unlock, and then Siri comes on, and I can talk. With this, well, maybe, but it's, it seems a little more fiddly. Mm-hmm. It, it strikes me as very me too. And the other obvious thing is that in Apple's case, they put a lot of cryptography into creating the secure enclave right on the chip. So the silicon, uh, so the security is right in the silicon. In yeah. this case, they're opening it up to third-party APIs to use the scanner. Right, and and Apple's also storing a representation of your fingerprint. Whereas, uh, from what I've read, the Galaxy S5 will show you a real-time image of your fingerprint on the display. Now, that doesn't mean that's what they're storing, but no, maybe they are. I have a question about that. What are they actually storing? The answer is I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's a question. It is a good question. And to, to me, a, a lot of bloggers have raised this. So when Apple did this in a secure and sensible way, the sky was falling in and senators were writing them angry letters. When Samsung do the same thing <laughs> in a much more open way, where there's actually much more chance of your biometrics getting out. Nobody cares. Absolute silence. Perhaps even some praise. Well... Part of That's this is Android. What, <laughs> it, 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 part of it is, and I think part of it's what security people have been talking about forever. Is which with biometrics, the key is to acclimate people to them, and once you acclimate them, nobody cares anymore. That could be part of it. So basically, we went through the the, the mania once, and that's done. Yeah, nobody can work up the energy to get manic again. <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a benign explanation. I like that explanation. Let's go with that. Um, some other comments that have been made on the new, the new Galaxy, and I think it's dog ugly. But you know, I've never been a fan of their design, and ugh, but okay. they're just cheap looking. Plastic. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're plastic. They're still plastic. They remain plastic. Uh, also, they're a bit bloaty, as in it takes <laughs> eight gigs worth to get the OS on there. So your sixteen gig Samsung S five is eight gigs for you. And 8 gigs for Samsung. And I mean, people whine when their 16 gig iPhone doesn't have 16 gig of stuff, but by God, it's nowhere near having only 8 gigs. No. In fact, Apple even sold an 8 gig model, and there was space left for you. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, and that, 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 you know, <laughs> they keep, one of these articles that you put in, it, it says that it, they keep touting the fact that they've got you know, SD cards, lot storage that you can use, but it does go on to it does say you're gonna need it. <laughs> yeah. Also, they uh, released some watches, or rather, announced. Excuse me, some watches. There's the Gear Two, the Gear Two Neo, which is the Gear Two without its camera and a bit slimmed down, and then there's the Gear Fit, which is sort of a Fitbit come watch doohickey contraption. And really, to me, the only thing of interest here is that they are not running Android. They're running their own Linux variant called uh, Tizen or Tizen or something. Oh, right. I rather like the look of the Gear Fit, I must admit. It looked quite smart. Well, the curvy screen, which, which apparently is quite, in terms of it being tech to actually get into our hands, is quite new. It, it's this, it's a curved screen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it does look pretty damn cool, actually. Any, anyone else? Has anybody, 
I was just going to ask you, has anybody read anything about the camera on this? Because I have a question about Android phones, and I notice this at work all the time. The Android phones always have the camera right in the middle of the phone, and they always have it bubbling out. It extrudes. Why is that? These phones are thicker than iPhones as it is, at least the previous ones were. I don't know about the S5. Well, it's really uh, hard to make your camera as thin as Apple make them. I know, but it just... It seems like something they could do because it just seems – that's the thing that I always notice when people are playing with their Android phones is, my gosh, look at the back of that thing. It's horrible. It but just seems same, like a solvable problem. It's plastic instead of metal. It's way cheaper to do it that way. I mean Apple, yeah. Apple's optical train on something like five little lenses crammed into that tiny space to make that work. That's very precise, very fine engineering. It's not cheap. And but the Android cameras never seem to be as good. Yeah, it's cheaper not to be as good. <laughs> Having said that, I've just, picked, here. I've just picked up my HTC One because I thought, does mine stick out? <laughs> does it? It doesn't. No, it's it's flush. Oh, good. Oh, good. So, so there a, we go. But then the HTC One is metal. So the HTC One is a nice design. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, I I could look at that and say that's a tasteful phone. It's running an, yes. an OS I don't like, but it's a tasteful phone. Yes. And I I, I have. I have a thing against inconsistency. It makes my head hurt. <laughs> Which is why Android makes my head hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day and just thinking that the fact that um, Apple have got that consistency in there. A lot of, I mean, I know a lot of people like new shiny things. And that's where I think certainly Samsung are, you know, are getting lots and lots of sales because people go, ooh, shiny, bright, new, and buy another yeah. one. But it's, it's not really that greater difference to the last one um and with apple you know it generally I, I, they've had some design changes of course and you know everybody jumps up and down and says oh it's only a design slight dark design change but actually the consistency in the phone and the consistency in the um in the operating system although obviously we've had a recent change in that but really underneath it, there's an awful lot of similarity i mean ios 7 is still consistent like yeah yeah. You know, the apps within iOS 7 have a consistent, you know, you want the consistency across the OS, not through time. Because yep. Apple have not been big on consistency through time because they don't, they're not Microsoft. They don't feel they have to be backwards compatible to 8-bit DOS. So, anyway, anyway, I have I to just, say the... No, carry on. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, I have to say the 7.1 betas feel even more consistent to me. So they're they're still progressing on that. Excellent. Well, it was a really big change. Like, you know, that, that takes... Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I notice we're coming up to about the arrow mark, so I'm going to speed up the rest of these stories. And they're, I mean, we should talk about them, but they're not nearly as, as big a stories as the ones we've already covered. Uh, the first is sort of a cluster of stories, which individually, none of these three stories are all that interesting. But when you put the three together, I'm seeing a pattern. So Apple have hired, just in February, or have hired or are recruiting, a sleep expert, a physiologist, and a chap who made medical sensors. I don't think the iWatch is for telling the time. I, I think I said on a another podcast some time ago that, that definitely it, it the wearables that Apple will be coming out with, because they are going to be coming out with wearables, are either going to be in association with other companies or they are going to be health stroke um, exercise related. And Tim Cook is big into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that will be a yeah. part, that will be his personal baby, 
which is kind of what I want to see from Tim. I want to see his, I want to see his passion in a product that's him, that's truly yeah. him, in the way you know a lot of things were truly Steve Jobs. And well, you know, I, I I've been on the verge of buying a Fitbit for ages, but I I just kind of want Apple to do one. And and that's what I was going to say. I think that these smartwatches don't sell as well as things like Fitbits and other things. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I, my personal tendency is to believe that it's not going to be an iWatch, but it's going to be a something else or a number of something else's that do other things. I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't see a compelling use for a watch personally. You see, I think it'll be an iWatch in the way that the iPhone is a phone. It's in the shape of a phone, but it's not really a phone. And I think the iWatch yeah. will be on your wrist. But I don't think it's going to be recognizably a watch in the classical sense. It'll be in the shape of a watch, but I, don't, I just don't think it'll be a watch. I think, I think in some ways, I mean, a lot of this is already happening, isn't it, in mm. spite of Apple. So, yeah. for instance, um, I use uh, RunKeeper because I, do, I, I enjoy walking, so I do a lot of walking. Um, and I've also got a... Um, uh, what's the name of the scales? Oh, the ones that tweet? Yeah. Um, oh, I can't think of the I name don't know of the scales. I actually. I just don't know the ones that tweet. <laughs> yes. Well, I've got some scales as well, but they now talk to one another. So, oh. run, so um, Withings, that's the name. Um, so, my Withing scales all talk to Runkeeper, and so Runkeeper knows how far I've walked and how much exercise I've done. And there's another app that can track calorie intake and stuff that now plugs into that as well so they're already starting to come together so i think um it would be really good if apple could bring all this together and do it really well in the way that they have traditionally done or i healthy that'd be a great name for it i healthy i healthy yes (laughs) aspirational name as long as you don't get the eye insurance along with it Um, any other any other thoughts on that before I move us on? Nope, I think um, I think they they will be coming out with something, and I, I agree with you, Bart. It's not going to be what we expect. It's going to be you know something slightly different, but you know that is easily. I think it's going to be easily wearable. That's the point. I just think that if you're going to put something on your body, it's the, the logical place is your wrist. So I'm sort of imagining that's where it'll go, but I'm, I'm just not thinking timepiece. I wear. I wear. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we shall see. Anyway, another cluster of stories that I've I've decided to bunch together under the sort of political sort of heading, because they are sort of politics related. Um, the first is that Apple sort of pitched in after the State of the Union and put the money where the mouth is and committed a hundred million dollars to President Obama's Connect Ed program, which is nice of them. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a much bigger story is that Apple, and they weren't the only tech company, but Apple were quite vocal. Um, the legislature in Arizona thought it would be a good idea to pass a quote-unquote religious freedom law that legalized discrimination based on sexual orientation. They thought that was a good idea. And uh, both houses passed it, which meant it went to the governor's desk, and the governor had the choice to veto or not to veto, and obviously as soon as it went to the governor's desk, people started campaigning, and one of the things that I noticed as, as an outsider looking in is that quite a few of the legislators, when someone explained to them that what religious freedom in this context meant was actually discrimination, some people who voted for the bill wrote to the governor asking her to veto the bill they'd voted for because they just realized what they'd done. Uh, but in the pylon, Apple basically made it clear that they didn't feel they could do business in a state that legalized discrimination. 
And I'm not saying it's Apple because Apple were involved, but the fact is that with all of the pressure that came to bear, Jan Brewer, the governor of Arizona, vetoed the bill, so the bill went away. Well done, tech companies. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't there a bit of a story where um, this governor had previously uh, avoided doing anything because um, uh, of their own preferences, i.e. they they weren't uh, actually for it, but they'd they'd actually, you know, kind of thought um, the opposite. So rather than being seen, they actually, um, I think they ignored the vote altogether. On um, my, uh, my vocabulary on on that action is is um, well, lost well, on Governor me. Governor Brewer has a colourful history. Um, <laughs> you, you may remember the Papers Please laws. It was nicknamed that's Arizona, and that one she did sign, which the courts then quashed. So there's a very colourful history in Arizona of interesting laws. Makes you a bit concerned about those passing the laws if they actually don't understand what it is that they're passing. Yes. Uh, but there you go. <laughs> well, that's the point. I don't think it is that they don't understand. It's that they they don't want to be seen in making a decision which is, you know, uh, blatantly um, uh, against what everybody's ethos is these days. So you say it was plausible deniability while it got away with the euphemism religious freedom, but once the euphemism was stripped, they all of a sudden it's, pretend yes. to come to... Uh, right. And also bear in mind that when we pass laws here like that at that level, we get a lot of badly written laws. And what happens is they hand out these voter pamphlets. And a lot of people, the only real information that they get that's not advertisement or information from one side or the other comes from those. And they can be badly written. And they're basically a summary anyway. So I'm not saying that this was the case here, but there are times where people don't understand all the impacts of whatever law they're going to pass is because they just don't understand it. They don't have adequate information. I'm not saying they can't get it, but yeah. uh, but they don't have it with the voting materials and, and also a lot of the stuff that they get on on TV or whatever. It's just not – the media doesn't do a good job of it, and the voting materials handed out to the voters don't do a good job of it either a lot of times. So it's very – yeah, it, 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 it's almost a chore to, to be informed on some of these things. Yeah, you have to work at it, and, and they tend to pass a whole bunch. You know, they tend to put a whole bunch of these things in the ballot at once. And uh, you know, in this case, if this went through in a ballot with a bunch of other measures, who knows? And then when it was at the governor, then they had time to focus on that one thing. I'm just, it's not yeah, I mean, the, totally you know, crazy. The lobbyists who are putting this stuff up are also sort of trying to sneak stuff through in the slide because the word homosexual yeah, yeah. wasn't in this bill. It, right. it didn't actually say this is a bill to legalize discrimination against gays. Because no, you know, you couldn't. If you put that as the heading of the bill, the thing just isn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> so you, so you, you don't sell it that way, right? You sell it as a religious liberty. And I think actually one of the, one of the turning points that just made me wet myself, well, not literally, but figuratively, um, there, there were a bunch of Christians who suddenly realized that if we make it legal for people to discriminate based on their religious beliefs, then the Muslims can re- deny Christian service in their shops. And all of a sudden they thought it was a terrible idea. <laughs> Ah, I see when the shoe is on the other foot. Anyway. It's, um, there's, um, I remember a few years ago, just to prove that unforeseen things can happen, um, uh, there was a law coming out about, or they were about to pass a law in the UK, about banning lead in electrical equipment. Um, okay. for very For very good reason. I was going to say lead is quite a dangerous metal. That's right. It's just that, they hadn't thought completely through. I'm pretty what sure it's was, batteries. 
yeah, what uh, what was counted as electrical equipment, uh-huh. and therefore um, there was an awful lot of um, organists who were suddenly up in arms because you know organists um, probably yes because a lot of organ pipes made out of lead. <laughs> but I didn't think an organ was electrical equipment. Well, part of it's electrical. Actually, it would have true, been because there used to be a boy in the back cranking a handle to make air, but now it's an yes. electric motor. Um, so um, it, 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 was, it was something they'd overlooked and they had to rewrite it to say, oh, except, except for organs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Writing legislation isn't easy. Even if there aren't lobbyists involved trying to sneak stuff through, writing legislation isn't easy. I guess sort of one of the reasons I think, that I think it's worth noting these things is actually that Apple under Tim Cook don't seem to be shy about standing up for these things. No, no, that's true. And apparently Steve Jobs... You know, he, in terms of giving money, as in in terms of Apple making political contributions, Apple haven't changed political outlook. But I just feel, it feels like they're more open about it than they used to be or something. Something feels different. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me like they used to try harder to be apolitical in some regards now than than they do now. Well, they used to try to be seen to be, but in terms of who they actually gave their money to, if if you look back at you know the the history of who Apple donated to. There's no change in their actual policy, but there's a change in what the, sort of the publicity or the visibility, or maybe? the willingness to express it. Yeah, the willingness to express it and maybe anger some people. I guess you know. Yeah, which, which invariably, and you could argue that the, the day is long gone when the majority is against gay rights. Right, but in gen- yeah, exactly. But it is going to make people cranky, right? There's no denying. Yeah. That. And if they do it on other issues too, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. But if Tim Cook's more uh, willing to express his political viewpoint on things, then, you know, at some point, some people are going to get mad about it. And that segues very nicely into the last story I've put into this category, which is that uh, there was a motion at the Apple shareholders meeting. And I mean, I didn't even put the shareholders meeting in the show notes because it's boring. But this motion was a bit exciting. Um, There was a group, basically, their, their philosophy is that profit should be first, period. Nothing else should take priority over profit, and definitely not that made-up global warming stuff. And so they put a motion, basically putting this to Apple. And I think I heard someone say that they, there was some silly motion last year that got 1.5%, and they said, I bet you this one gets twice that. And I believe the vote was 2.9%, so that person was right. But basically, the motion was fairly soundly defeated, but in the question-and-answer session, the lobbyists from the group put the question to Tim as a question. And... People who were in the room say that they that Tim Cook looked angry and he almost swore. Uh, what he said was, when, I, when we put accessibility stuff in for the blind, we don't think of the bloody ROI, return on investment. And he said a few more things and he basically ended with, and if you think that the only thing that matters is return on investment, you should get out of this stock. Which was strong words, I think, from a CEO. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, not that and, I'm in any you know, complaining because no I think he was right I think it's very good that Apple are building solar farms at least it makes me feel better as an iCloud user that Apple are thinking about where the electrons come from that make my iCloud go they can make my iCloud go a bit better it's <laughs> a different story did I actually sorry, just, I, 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 this came up today and it made me cranky it seems that whenever I do an OS X update 
the next time I try to use Safari with a password that it has kindly saved for me, I get about 5 million pop-ups saying, Safari would like permission to use this keychain icon and this keychain icon and this keychain thingy and this keychain thingy and this keychain thingy. It asked me about 50 different ones. Safari would like to use this keychain item. And I had to click OK to all of them one by one. And there was a Windows user standing next to me wetting himself laughing. (laughs) Very, Very annoying. Anyway. So were you upset about the fact that the Windows user was next to you laughing? <laughs> no, I was upset with the fact that basically, the, the, you know, the guy had come in to ask me a question, which should have been easier for me to answer. Command T, enter URL, enter. <laughs> At which point iCloud was supposed to pop in the password. I was supposed to hit enter again, and I was supposed to be able to answer the chap's question and be helpful. And instead, the two of us stood there as I got RSI clicking on the bloody mouse. Or well, that's, you know, that's since they've updated the software with the, uh, the double negative. It's, you know, you can't have it both ways. I guess. Anyway, <laughs> just a yes to all would have been nice. Yes, Safari yes. can do anything. Actually, maybe I don't want Safari to do anything. No, no, you don't. no, you don't. <laughs> I think this is, is quite a big stance, especially for a CEO to, uh, to make. And, and, uh, but Apple are in the position where you know, he can quite confidently say this and, and upset a few people. It'll go up and down. The, you know, the news wires will be, you know, fat with this quote and quotes around it and saying what a you know this is the sort of company that you're dealing with but they will still be investing when apple brings out their next quarterly results and they yet again prove that they are the company that's making the money also is it really that risky to agree with 97 percent of your shareholders (laughs) just it just means it just means next next uh, quarter they'll sell 37 million and 47 phones instead of 37 million and 48. <laughs> probably, to be honest, probably. Also, in the irony of ironies, it might actually increase the return on investment because yes. a lot of people are going to think very positively yes. about this. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It, it yes. could have been a very clever move, actually. Well, we're at an hour and ten, so I'm going to race through a few things that I think we need to mention, mainly, to be honest, for the point of view so that we've said they happen so we can refer back to them when they become bigger news in the future. Um, we had been told that iOS was coming to the car. We now have a brand name and a pretty video and some web pages. It's called CarPlay. And uh, Volvo, Mercedes and Ferrari demoed it at the Geneva International Motor Show and it's coming to cars near us soon. <laughs> iBeacon has made it a little step further. It is now part of the Made for iPhone program. So third party people can make iBeacon stuff and then through the Made for iPhone program can apply to have the iBeacon logo legally slapped onto the side of it. Again, it's just the normal maturity of a new Apple technology. Uh, There's going to be a Steve Jobs stamp in 2015, probably. Uh, We don't know what it's going to look like yet, so we'll talk about that when there's something to talk about. Uh, I just put this in because I was shocked. Apple released a supplier responsibility report. No shock there. They do that all the time. They're very good about it. Greenpeace praised Apple. Then I want to remember Greenpeace and Apple's history. (laughs) Gaz, I believe in the IMP days you were particularly vociferous on this topic. Um, <laughs> well, I, I might have been. <laughs> I, I have distinct memories of, uh, of you being cranky as every time Apple were the best company out there in terms of actually doing shit and Greenpeace were coming out saying, you're terrible, you're awful. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that um, – yeah. <sighs> It was more the fact that I think Greenpeace were using Apple again to get the click-throughs. Mm. 
and that's what really I, I I think they were they were doing a lot more of. But yeah, they they were always having a go at Apple. Apple would move forward and they'd chop them down and chop them down. But well, you know, things change. Yeah, I, I thought it was worth noticing mainly because of how much we used to be cranky. And yeah, Greenpeace yeah, and days, yeah. That's that's very true, very true. So, you know, <laughs> at last somebody has perhaps realised that. Um, and I tell you what, that comment that Tim Cook made about uh, return on investment will not have done them any harm in Greenpeace's eyes either. No, that's true. So maybe they, I guess they, they might like the, the new CEO better than the old. That is something which I think is very likely true. Um, in my mind, there were always sort of three people who made quality laptops. Apple, IBM, and Sony. And IBM sold off to Lenovo, but they still make good stuff. And now Sony are selling off the their PC business. And it's going to lose them 500 jobs, which is I, I think is sad. Yeah, the, the PC business as a whole, um, particularly the home computer, um, is, is numbered, isn't it? Its days are numbered, definitely. Yeah, but the VIOs are a high-end. I always thought that the VIOs is a high-end sort of product. And what I thought was happening was that the low-end was vanishing and being replaced by tablets, but the high-end was kind of staying put. And so I would have thought the VIOs mm. would have been, excuse the pun, viable. <laughs> but I guess not, or at least Sony aren't interested. You would think so, but it makes me wonder whether even those are disappearing into the ether now. Yeah. And finally... Let's end on some, well, I guess we've got the schadenfreude section. Um, a lot of bad news from Microsoft, really, all in all. Uh, Ford have decided to get rid of them for their Ford Sync platform in favor of BlackBerry's QNX. That got an awful lot of scoffing, uh, in my opinion, utterly unfairly, uh, because QNX is, in fact, the fantastic OS under the hood. The fact that BlackBerry were incapable of delivering with it doesn't mean the QNX isn't a good OS. And someone said, well, yeah, well, what if, what if BlackBerry go bust? And I'm like, well, then Ford will buy BlackBerry so they get QNX for a pittance. Yeah. Well, and QNX is used in CarPlay. So. Yeah. I mean, QNX is a fantastic real-time operating system. If you're in any doubt that QNX is a wise choice, I suggest you go read the Wikipedia entry on QNX. It's actually a really good OS. And it's kind of, to me, it's the right thing to do. You, you, buy, you buy a solid core, and then you focus all of your energy on the UI. And that, that's OS ten. Right, FreeBSD under the hood. Apple provide the shiny. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if Ford are going to be afraid of it, but it's the right <laughs> idea, right? Um, apparently, Microsoft are considering slashing the price of Windows 8 for cheap devices uh, from $250 to $15, according to these reports. So I, I, I don't quite like reports, but that seems to be what we get from Microsoft sometimes. Uh, sales numbers wise Windows 8 is selling less quickly than Windows 7 and Windows 7 wasn't particularly known for being a quick seller and sort of the final nail in the coffin for the month a uh, long time Windows supporter Paul Thorot basically gave, uh, gave Microsoft both barrels in a frankly well worded well reasoned piece but goodness me it doesn't make comfortable reading for Microsoft the piece is called What the Heck is Happening Windows but it'll be all right now because Satya's in charge. Yeah, l- yeah. like taking over on a good command note. of the Titanic just before it struck the iceberg. Um, <laughs> well, no, it's more like taking command of, of, a, of an oil tanker and trying to do a 180. 
you'll get there. <laughs> but it'll take a bit. Yeah. They've got a bit of money, haven't they? They'll be all right. Well, that's it. I mean, they're not in, right. They're not. It's not like the, the bad, bad, bad days of Apple when literally the bankers were at the door and bankruptcy was a real possibility. Microsoft are nowhere near that. It's just that if you extrapolate forward, their sources of profit seem to be shrinking instead of growing. But the, they have the resources yes. if they spend them wisely. That, yeah, that's where the if is, I guess. I think that's probably where we wrap up the news. Does anyone have any final thoughts on that stuff I raced through at the end? No, I think we'll be coming back to some of that definitely in future shows, certainly. Yeah, so certainly. as I say, I, I popped it in because I think it should be mentioned, but I don't think it's quite worthy of a section yet. Anyway, so we'll call it a show. I think, oh, an hour and 20. Whoopsie daisies. I'm not so good on this timekeeping thing. Um, thank you very much, folks, for joining us. Um, I, I suggest we go in reverse order of the panel. So, Scott, I hope you enjoyed your first visit, and I hope we'll, we'll have you, the pleasure of your company again. Yeah, thank you. I definitely did. Good. Uh, do you want to remind listeners again uh, about your podcast and your website? Yeah, the podcast is Pocket Sized Podcast and PocketSizedPodcast.com. And then uh, I have a personal website at SAW66.com if for some reason you want to get a hold of me. And I'll just say again, I think Scott takes beautiful pictures, although you need to post more of them on Flickr. I have not been doing very many lately, that is for sure. Yep. Quality, though. It's not about quantity. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Nick, do you want to, and you're going to have to spell out your, your handles. Uh, yes, so uh, Twitter, I'm Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And I did say, the last time I was on, that I might get around to doing an About Me dot page. Aha. And I have. Spligosh. So it's uh, About uh, dot Me uh, forward slash Nick underscore Riley. And it's got a horrifying picture of me playing the piano. Must go out for that. And just to, to clarify, you spell Riley like the snooker table, not like the Irish person. Uh, that's right, R I L E Y. Whereas the Irish say R E I L L Y. Indeed. So there you go. And finally, Mr. Maz. Or Mr. Gaz. Yes. Yes. Well, either or. Uh, nice and easy, Gaz Maz. You can find me over with uh, Guy at uh, the mymac.com podcast. And if you want to contact me on Twitter, it's G A Z M A Z over on Z- the Twitter. Z- Z Z. That's it's easy. <laughs> well, I've got guy saying Z now, so you know, let's leave it there. So I no have, one can understand I, them in America anymore. Progress I, I, ruined his I, life. <laughs> I I have accomplished my aim in life. Now, can you make him put a U into color? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, come on, Bart. Baby steps. <laughs> metric. <laughs> He's getting there with metric, actually. Yeah. Actually, you guys have to learn about metric now that I think about it. Well, no, actually, we, we do a lot of metric over here. Yeah, we do. It's all right. Honest. Honest guy. Mm, as long as you're not driving. Yeah. <laughs> there is that. Although, actually, I'm, I'm, yeah, we're over time anyway. So. The Irish, I think, are the only country in the world that managed to do half of the driving equation metric and half <laughs> not metric for a few decades. Yeah. Distances were in kilometers. Speed limits were in miles. At the same time. That's interesting. <laughs> That's one word for it, yeah. I mean, the Irish were perfectly fine with it, but the tourists, they were driving around at 50k <laughs> instead of 50 miles an hour, <laughs> which is about half the speed. And they thought this place was nuts. And to be honest, they have a point. But anyway, we did eventually sort it out, and now it's all gone to kilometers. But goodness me, did it take a while. Anyway, I've been your host, Bart Bouchat. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next month, happy computing. 
You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Soft kitty, warm kitty, little ball of fur. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up what, here, Mark. What, what's going on, Kevin? You're singing the song Soft Kitty. That That's only for when somebody's sick and not feeling well. Oh, but I thought it'd be a great intro into the show. I mean, after all, people listening to us, they've got to be a little bit sick, don't they? That's true. We can't deny that. Especially if they want to hug a geek every week. I know. A little bit confusing. A little bit painful. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> but you know what? If you haven't listened to Geekiest Show Ever, simply go across to iTunes and type in Geekiest Show Ever, and you can listen to Kevin and me every single week. We're sick, we're twisted, but we have fun doing it.